This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, September 5th, 2019. I'm Caleb Brown. The Trump administration is reportedly moving ahead with plans to change rules governing overtime pay, raising the question, why does the federal government regulate overtime pay? In any case, Cato's Ryan Bourne argues the perceived benefits to workers will likely be short-term if they arrive at all. The Trump administration has plans to raise the overtime pay salary threshold up to $36,000. Now, for people who don't work jobs that offer overtime, what does that actually mean? Well, yeah, this was a report in the Wall Street Journal um, last week. Now, at the moment, under the Fair Labor Standards Act, um, anyone below a certain income threshold um, is eligible by law if they work more than 40 hours per week to be paid um, at least one and a half times their regular wage for any of those hours above 40 hours per week. So in essence, what this um, change to the regulation would mean is that raising that salary threshold would mean that more people would become eligible and fall under this banner of this of this overtime pay. So I think the estimates have suggested that about 1.3 million extra people would fall under this regulation if this change were made. Now, this is something that has been discussed in the past. Uh, President Obama's administration wanted to raise this threshold even more significantly, I, I believe, to over $50,000. And usually this is sold as a good news story by administrations proposing it. They say that not only will um, the employees themselves see a boost to their total compensation, but uh, some people even suggest that as a result of this, um, firms might be likely to create more jobs or at least distribute hours uh, more evenly such that more people can benefit from from more hours. Now, those two things are directly contradictory, but they seem to believe that mandating this this overtime pay across a broader range of people will, will bring uh, some economic benefits. Okay. So what that effectively means is that the the range of jobs for which overtime must be paid uh, to the extent somebody's working more than 40 hours a week, that range of jobs is now would be larger. Yeah, because you're widening the, the, the salary um, range which would fall under this. And, you know, this, this would cover a, a wide range of different jobs, as a, a wider range of jobs as a result. So the logical question, why is the federal government involved in setting uh, rules governing uh, pay rates and, uh, you know, what at what point in your work week you begin earning one and a half times pay? Well, traditionally, governments have got involved in this type of activity in terms of wage setting because... Um, there's a belief that employers kind of have a degree of market power, have a whip hand over their employees, and that without the benign interventions of governments, people will be um, exploited and made to work uh, significantly more hours than government bureaucrats determine is is kind of optimal from a social perspective and, and uh, from the perspective of those individual employees. But of course, that doesn't really speak to kind of the economic case for for why this is being made. And there's a hell of a lot of both theory and evidence out there that suggests that actually in the longer term, when you mandate benefits in this way or mandate that people have to be paid 
um, for certain activities. What actually happens in the longer term is that firms adjust base pay accordingly to keep total compensation the same. So in this case, if you're making firms pay more in the way of um, overtime pay, what firms will do, will do is adjust hours or base wage rates such that overall this won't cost them in net terms. And that appears to be what happens when you actually look at the, the evidence from previous changes to this threshold. So uh, if you're a politician and one who did well in states where people tend to have uh, lower incomes like uh, Donald Trump, um, this looks like a win for those workers. And you're saying probably not really. Well, in the short run, employers have business practices and contracts with their employees that obviously take time to change. So I don't think anybody should pretend that some workers wouldn't benefit from higher total compensation in the immediate aftermath of the rule change um, as employers become legally obliged to pay that extra overtime. Um, and that will no doubt be the outcome that if the Trump administration do this, that they trump it. But the key point here is that as time goes by, employers adjust. Now, that might initially come through managing their workforce to minimize the likelihood of, of paying those overtime rates, you know, changing shift patterns, recategorizing workers into um, exempt categories, perhaps even outsourcing certain tasks to firms such that, you know, you don't fall under the, 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 the purview directly uh, in an, an employer sense. Um, but basic economics, as I say, tells us that what employers ultimately care about are the total costs of employment. So in time, I believe the overwhelming response of this type of regulation will be employers cutting those base pay rates such that if they know that they're going to um, have to pay overtime, total uh, costs of employment, total compensation remains essentially unchanged. And as I say, there's you know this isn't just a theory. Um, this has been something that numerous empirical studies have looked at. And what they tend to find is that actually these types of decisions don't have a discernible impact on overtime hours, but what they do is lead to a reduction in those hourly wages to neutralize the effect of, of the overtime regulation. So in essence, what we're seeing here is um, is the federal government trying to mandate a particular benefit and as a consequence, firms reacting by reducing base pay and making that trade-off for their employees uh, quite explicit. And this is something that we see across a range of different other potential mandated benefits or attempts to regulate pay. To the extent that the Trump administration is getting involved, in a sense, by sort of uh, changing uh, rules governing overtime pay, that's really relatively small potatoes compared to what uh, some Democrats have proposed. Kamala Harris uh, wants to uh, set an equal pay rule that would uh, incur fines if uh, larger companies are found to be paying uh, women less than men or some groups less than others. Yeah, that's right. And um, essentially what these types of regulations or you know, fines, interventions do is they make employers uh, determine the types of contracts that they have with their employees to a much greater extent because there's a monetary cost to deviating. Um, so at the moment, you tend to find lots of instances where you know, employees may well accept lower base pay such that they're 
um, able to benefit from, say, more flexible working hours or an ability to work from home or other kind of compensating benefits that, that may result from that that uh, trade between employers and employees. But what these types of regulations do is really kind of force or shoehorn employers into setting contracts in quite a homogenous uh, way. And you know that that may well benefit some employees but it comes at a big cost to others who benefit from more flexible working arrangements or in this case in the overtime pay regulation sense would actually prefer base pay to be higher um uh, if all employees under a particular employer are now governed by this type of contract such that base pay is lower than those who don't undertake um, overtime pay, of course, would would suffer on net as a result of this if if employers went down that route of cutting base pay uh, in compensation for the greater amounts they've got to now pay in overtime pay. So there's trade-offs in labour market contracts in a free market, and uh, employees and employers come to trades. Um, you know, not everybody likes their their work contract, uh, but there is a high degree of flexibility. And the more that you mandate particular benefits or you mandate different forms of contract and try to get involved, the more employers are likely to react in a way that they try and kind of um, mitigate those costs by homogenizing contracts. And that really does eliminate lots of the flexibilities that some people benefit from. So what do you say to people who say, Ryan, what you're saying is all well and good, but we have seen corporate profits at uh, their highest levels in in many, many years. Returns to capital are very high. Returns to labor are very low. And that should indicate uh, generally that workers have a poorer negotiating position uh, when it comes to the labor market today? Well, that's an incredibly big macroeconomic question, which we could have numerous uh, different podcasts to speak about. But one thing that I would say is that actually, if you look at the overall health of the labor market, the best way um, for workers to benefit from a better bargaining position is to have a tight labor market where wages are rising and job opportunities are plentiful. And at the moment, um, obviously, there's some potential economic difficulties on the horizon, but unemployment rates are incredibly low. Uh, Employment rates adjusted for the demographics of the population appear to be back roughly where they were prior to the crash. And as a result of that tighter labour market, it does appear that wage growth has been ticking up somewhat in the last couple of years. Now, if that is to continue, one would hope that would provide workers with, with more opportunities. And that you know, with that comes uh, an opportunity to better match workers' demands with employers' demands. Um, so, I'm a bit surprised when you when you look at the health of the labour market in the US and other relatively um, free market labour market regulatory countries, and compare that to the performance of some of the very heavily regulated labor markets in continental Europe where you have lots of these mandated benefits. It does really surprise me that people look at those <laughs> two very, very different unemployment rates and and say, actually, it would be much better for workers if we moved in the direction of more government intervention as seen in Europe. Um, there does appear to be a trade-off here. And I think the best thing for workers in the longer term is to have those freedoms to negotiate contracts and to try to 
keep macroeconomic policies such that um, labor markets are tight, and as a result, um, uh, job opportunities and uh, wage rate growth is pretty healthy. Ryan Bourne occupies the R. Evan Scharf Chair for the Public Understanding of Economics at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. <laughs>